everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Pro Wrestling Planet. I'm your host, Bradley Knight, and today we're going to look at the fallout from WWE's Elimination Chamber. This past Sunday, WWE presented their annual Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Now, I gotta let you guys know that Elimination Chamber, I'm pretty biased towards, you know, it's gotta be one of my favorite pay-per-views, and it's definitely one of my favorite stipulations. Another one of my favorite stipulations, I'm trying to think now, probably TLC, I've always liked Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, it's a good stipulation. Um, I think Impact calls it Full Metal Mayhem or something like that. Another one would be the Iron Man match, I'm a big fan of that one, that's just more of the same sort of idea of all these weapons you can use, but you have to score the most pinfalls or submissions within an hour. Sometimes it's been a half hour, but either way, Elimination Chamber is one of my favorite pay-per-views and stipulations. You got this ginormous steel cage. It's twice the size of a regular steel cage, and it encompasses the ring and ring area. And unlike a steel cage, it's got the ceiling or the roof to it, so you cannot get out. Just the idea the Elimination Chamber has always been near and dear to my heart um six superstars go in and four of them are locked away in pods the idea of just being locked inside of a steel cage and then inside of a pod is really cool for wrestling just because usually you know you got your 10 count or sometimes you got your falls count anywhere but no you're stuck in this one area with five other people and if you're stuck inside of a pod you're trapped in there for i think they release the guys about every 90 seconds or something like that. It's it's kind of hard to tell. They change the time all of the time. And even if you're keeping track, they don't actually do every 90 seconds or something. Even if they say they're going to release a superstar every three minutes, that's not true either. I think there was one guy that got released after six minutes in this first match, the Universal Championship No More Contenders Elimination Chamber match. I think some guy got released way after the time slot. Either way, Elimination Chamber has always been near and dear to my heart. Like I said, it's just been a really fun, some really cool stuff has always come out of Elimination Chamber. You know, Goldberg's famous spear through the pod that uh, now each year a pod gets broken or manipulated with. You know, there's been John Morrison's one of my favorite moments, John Morrison jumping off the cage and onto everybody. It's really cool. Unfortunately, within the past few years, I think WWE kind of took the coolness away from it. Like, uh, it doesn't look like it's made of real chains anymore. It doesn't look as harsh. I actually think the chains are made of plastic because when some one of the superstars bounced into it, it like rattled like really a silly sound and they just changed the overall look of it. But the idea is still the same. The uh, Elimination Chamber, like I said, it's one of my favorites. And this year we're going to be uh, looking at the fallout from the pay-per-view. So unlike my last few episodes where we did... Uh, predictions or a recap this one's going to be what happened after the pay-per-view and what are my predictions to the road to wrestlemania we're like i don't know 50 days away or something it's really cool the road to wrestlemania if you're a wrestling fan let me state this if you're a wrestling fan you don't have four seasons in the year you got five you know there's spring summer winter fall and then wrestlemania season wrestlemania season is just huge even if you're not a big fan of wwe anymore or you're doesn't even matter if you don't pay that much attention to wrestling like everybody knows when it's wrestlemania season it's just a cool time of the year so this year elimination chamber there was two chamber matches the first one was the number one contendership for the universal championship and there was six guys in there kevin owens Sami Zayn, king corbin jay uso daniel bryan and cesaro 
Now, the interesting about thing about this one is that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have never been in an elimination chamber. So that was cool. I think all the other guys have been, and Daniel Bryan's actually won one before. But yes, this was very entertaining. This was probably my favorite match of the night. This was probably a match of the night for me. Just thinking about it. Not that the pay-per-view was bad or anything. It was a really good and a solid pay-per-view. I enjoyed every minute of it. But this was probably my favorite match. So, the four superstars who were locked away were Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, King Corbin, and Jey Uso, leaving Daniel Bryan and Cesaro to open the match. And, man, I am so happy that Cesaro's getting that push. Uh, my brother, he said, I believe in Cesaro. You know, like the uh, Dark Knight, I believe in Harvey Dent, or I believe in Gotham. <laughs> Cesaro, I'm glad he's getting that push. He's got the physique like no other. And um, even though he's got this really cut body, and it looks like there's, I don't know, like 1% fat on his body. He still doesn't look like he'd be as strong as he is. But the dude is so freaking strong. It's crazy. I love to see that he's getting the time now. Every once in a while, he gets like a push. Like, oh, is he finally going to get that WWE Championship run? But uh, it was cool to see him and Daniel Bryan go at it in the opening. They were just tearing the house down. The first person to enter, or excuse me, exit the pod was King Corbin. And I don't think I explained this. For those who don't pay attention or haven't watched the Elimination Chamber before, um, the four pods have four superstars in it. And every 90 seconds, I was saying this, every 90 seconds, one gets released and it's at random. You know, it's not like, oh, this person goes and we know the order. The only time we know the order is sometimes, I think it happened in this show, sometimes uh, somebody is announced as the last person to be exited from their pod so i think that um this one didn't have that it was the uh, main event that had that one but yes uh, king corbin entered first and then after king corbin entered it was Sami Zayn who entered and uh he fought cesaro it was a cool spot he fought cesaro along the cage so he uh didn't want to wrestle at all so Sami Zayn climbed up the pot on top of the pod and across the cage wall, and Cesaro caught up to him. That was a pretty cool uh, spot they had there. And then after some time, Cesaro, you're going to hear me say Cesaro a lot. Cesaro, Cesaro, Cesaro. Cesaro eliminated King Corbin via a submission. I was glad to see King Corbin go. Um, I was telling my friends, I guess he does his job right, because I seriously cannot stand King Corbin. He's meant to be heel, but I just can't stand him. I don't know what it is. He's just, eh. He's just, eh, you know, if for some reason King Corbin ends up listening to this, Baron Corbin, dude, I guess you're doing your job right because I just can't stand you, dude. You've been king of the ring for like two years, I believe, and it's just kind of like, come on already. Are you going to get a push or what? Because your name and your character has been shoved down my throat constantly. The only thing I got to give the guy is that the, his finisher move and a days is like one of the most protective Protected, excuse me, protected moves in WWE, meaning that no one has ever kicked out of the end of days. When he hits that, you know it's the end of the match. Kind of play it on the words right there, end of days, end of the match. But yes, um, King Corbin got eliminated by Cesaro, thank goodness. And then shortly after that, Kevin Owens entered the match and uh, he looked really good. You know, I'm starting to really like Kevin Owens for a while. I just thought like uh, his main roster run kind of was dying down but yeah uh everything he did in this match looked really good and i think that was the momentum building off of the royal rumble he had a very very good match with roman reigns at the royal rumble 
But yes, Owens entered, and it looked like very briefly he was going to team up with Sami Zayn. But that was not true. Kevin Owens started wailing away on Sami Zayn. And then as they were wrestling, the last person to enter was Jey Uso. So all the superstars who were supposed to enter in the match had finally entered. Um, Owens hit stunners on everyone, and then he eliminated Sami Zayn. Now, the cool thing about this spot was when Sami Zayn was actually exiting the Elimination Chamber, I liked the fact that uh, Kevin Owens is sort of taunting at him. He had his arm stuck out, and uh, Jay Uso was able to slam the cage door and pin his arm in there. He couldn't move, so then Jay Uso super kicked him, like, I don't even know, 200 times. I mean, it was like five or six. It was a lot of super kicks. And then Owens' body limped over, and Jay Uso hit the Samoan splash to eliminate him. So uh, Jay Uso kind of laid out after that. He was tired. So then we were back to Cesaro and Daniel Bryan going back and forth. And like I said, they were just tearing the house down. They looked fantastic. Um, it was a wrestling clinic, to be honest with you. And uh, Daniel Bryan started favoring his knee a little bit. So they were trying to sell that he had a knee injury. That just gave the whole idea of him being a babyface even more, just like cheering him on. Cesaro went for the uh, Cesaro swing and he spanned him around. And uh, Jay Uso super kicked Cesaro. I was cracking up. I have my brother as my witness. I was cracking up at that point. I was like, that was really funny. And then Jay Uso super kicked Cesaro. And then he hit him with the Samoan splash for and, and eliminated him. So then it was down to Jay Uso and Daniel Bryan. Pretty obvious that was going to be the finish, at least in my opinion. I had picked Cesaro to win, but I always, you can't count out Daniel Bryan. And I uh, also thought that Jay Uso was going to be the final two. So then Jay got on top of the pod, went for another Samoan splash, but Daniel Bryan was able to reverse it and hit his finisher, the running knee for the win. And afterwards, he was kind of favoring that knee again, even though he just used it to win the match. So this was the number one contendership for the Universal Championship. They were booking it as if the match would be later on that night. But then Roman Reigns, right after the match, he came out. I was really surprised. Uh. You know, like I said, I really thought that it was going to be later on in the night, but here comes Roman Reigns walking out there and um, he went to hit his spear on Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan reversed it into the yes lock. And uh, for a brief moment, I thought Daniel Bryan was going to be able to pull it off. I was kind of suckered into it because Roman was like scrambling, but then Reigns broke out. He hit a series of punches and locked the guillotine for the win. It was a squash mash. Um, I was kind of just building off of Daniel Bryan's uh, win for the Elimination Chamber. That was like a 35-minute match, so he was already tired. Roman Reigns just destroyed him. And then shortly after the match, uh, it was pretty obvious, but here came Edge. He hit Roman Reigns with the spear and signified by pointing to the WrestleMania sign that he is going to use his Royal Rumble win to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. This was very obvious. I didn't see Roman Reigns facing anybody else but Edge. So they're going to go on and face each other at WrestleMania. We'll talk about more of my predictions later on for the road to WrestleMania. But our third match of the night was Bobby Lashley with MVP versus Riddle versus John Morrison for the United States Championship. Now, this was actually booked to be Lashley, Riddle, and Keith Lee, but Keith Lee was pulled from the card due to injury. So on the kickoff show, it was John Morrison versus Ricochet versus Elias versus Mustafa Ali to determine who would win the match. So here's the deal. I got a rant really quick. I'll rant about this a little bit in the main event, but uh, the guys that were thrown in this match, John Morrison, Ricochet, Elias, and Mustafa Ali, like, dude, I can do a whole episode 
about Ricochet. He was, if you remember last week, we were talking about Lucha Underground. Ricochet was Prince Puma on Lucha Underground, and he was over and beyond. Like, he was the face of the company, and he has done nothing on Raw. Absolutely nothing. It's so sad. I think I'll do a whole episode. First, I'll do a Lucha Underground episode, and then I'll do a Ricochet rant episode. Just the fact that a lot of people don't think he has enough talent. But nobody, I guess everybody forgot about Lucha Underground because Ricochet is like a god. You know, he's so good. But, um, okay, rant over. In the pre-show, John Morrison won that Fatal 4-Way and he's now in the match. So to just kind of reverse from the rant, I was glad to see John Morrison win. The guys that were in the uh, Fatal 4-Way Any one of them could have won, but I was glad to see John Morrison win. I wish there was different guys in that Fatal 4-Way, and uh, you'll understand whenever I do the episode on the Ricochet rant. But yes, I love John Morrison. I actually met him about 10 years ago at the Chicago Comic-Con C2E2. I was 13, and I had no idea what to say. I was so starstruck. I've been a John Morrison fan his entire career, all the way back to ECW, and even earlier than that, he's uh, t- super talented inside and out of the ring. And he's another guy that some people think shouldn't belong in the main title picture. You know, they think he's just a mid-card wrestler. But they also, I guess, forgot about Lucha Underground because John Morrison, known as Johnny Mundo on Lucha Underground, was a god there. And then when he was in Impact, he was Johnny Impact, I think it was. And uh, he was a god there, you know, just full of talent. So I was glad to see him win this pre-show match so the match started it was Lashley and Riddle going at it and Morrison just stood in the corner and watched them hit each other eventually he got in and uh started jumping Riddle but um you know he instantly regretted it and Lashley started beating on him thankfully Riddle and Morrison kind of teamed up on Lashley they really did a good job making uh Bobby Lashley look like this immortal indestructible guy And uh, everything that Riddle and Morrison were hitting him with was just kind of like just not working at all. I thought that was pretty cool. This uh, was a really good triple threat match. It's kind of everything I want to see in a triple threat match. Like if somebody's about to say, what is a triple threat match? I would show them this match. It's not like one of the greatest triple threat matches I've ever seen. It's not. It's definitely not the worst. You know, there was a lot of fun action in it. There was a lot of great moves and there was even use of a weapon. So we'll talk about that. Riddle stole MVP's crutch and uh, was smacking it over Bobby Lashley's back. And actually the uh, crutch broke. That was really cool. And then uh, that was near the finish of the match because Lashley rolled out and Matt Riddle hit the bro Derek on John Morrison to win his first ever United States championship. That was a good match. I like Matt Riddle. I met him as well. He's a really chill guy. You kind of well, to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to tell if he's not high all the freaking time. Like he's so uh, laid back. It's really funny just to see how chill this man is. It doesn't seem like anything phases him. So I was so happy to see that he is United States champion. Uh, the match after that was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their tag team championships against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. This match was added on to replace uh, Asuka versus Lacey Evans. That was going to be for the Raw Women's Championship, but then Lacey Evans announced she was pregnant, so they had to rebook this match. So I think this match got added on on Friday. It was a rather quick turnaround. I think I've said it before on this podcast. If not, I've said it before when I've been on air for WJOB. I love Bianca Belair. She's so talented. Sasha Banks, she's so talented. 
But uh, this match was kind of booked because um, Bianca won the Royal Rumble. As most of you know, Sasha Banks is the SmackDown Women's Champion. So this match was booked to kind of build tension between them to show that they're not good tag team partners and that uh, they'll face each other at WrestleMania. But honestly, this match kind of felt pointless and uh, it did not do a good job to set up the Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair match, at least for me. Uh, I will speak for myself. I don't know about anybody else. You can always message me, text me, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and talk to me about this match because it was boring. I hate to say it. I did not like this match at all. It was very, is very low action, low paced. Um, it involved this random guy that's with Carmella right now. Supposedly he's got a crush on Sasha Banks, like the rest of us wrestling fans. And, um, uh, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler retained their belts in quick fashion. You know, it's really bad too. Like I really, uh, I really was hoping that they'd set this, uh, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks match up through this tag team match they just had, but I, it didn't do nothing for me, man. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But finally, in our main event, it was another Elimination Chamber match. Drew McIntyre was defending his WWE Championship inside the Elimination Chamber against AJ Styles, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton. So, uh, on the Raw before, Sheamus won a gauntlet match, and that made him the last person to exit his pod. So, at the beginning of this podcast, I had said, usually they don't do this. Sometimes they do this. But yeah, Sheamus Everybody knew that Sheamus was going to be the last person to enter the match. And uh, before we jump into the match itself, I'm going to rant again. Um, All these guys in this match have won the WWE Championship before. You know, like this is the opportunity. I don't know. Maybe I'm being picky, but I was really hoping somebody like Buddy Murphy, you know, Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, Elias, all those guys that were in the United States Championship number contenders match at the pre-show. Some of those guys would be in the Elimination Chamber, you know, give the guys that haven't won the championship this opportunity to face the champion, not these guys that have, let's see here, AJ Styles, I think is three-time champ, Kofi Kingston is one-time champ, Sheamus, okay, well, Sheamus kind of needs to be in this match, I would say, because Sheamus, he's in a rivalry with Drew McIntyre, so it makes sense for him, Jeff Hardy, I felt was kind of random, he's been WWE champion before, Randy Orton, um, yeah, (laughs) Randy Orton's Randy Orton, they're always gonna throw him in the title picture, but yes, let's, let's get past this ranting, sorry for all the ranting today on this podcast, um, that's just, it's just weird. I really thought that this elimination chamber was going to be booked differently. But yes, Orton and uh, Hardy started the match, and uh, Drew was the first person to exit his pod. After that, Kofi Kingston entered and uh, really quickly eliminated Randy Orton. I was surprised. Randy Orton was uh, out fast. Like I said, Randy's always in the title picture, so I thought it was going to be either him winning here or he was going to be the last person eliminated. But he was the first person out the gate to be eliminated. So while that was was going on, AJ Styles demanded that his bodyguard rip off the cell doors from the outside. And that allowed AJ Styles to exit his pod illegally. So then his bodyguard was thrown out of the match, uh, banned from ringside. So then uh, AJ Styles was technically in this match. Randy Orton was pissed that he was eliminated. So he RKO'd Jeff Hardy and Kofi Kingston on his way out. And um, Styles tried to get them in pins to get quick eliminations, but they both kicked out. So then last person to enter the match was Sheamus. And he dominated very quickly on and eliminated Kofi Kingston 
too bad because Kofi Kingston always does well in his singles action. Kofi Mania. I can't wait for Kofi Mania 2 whenever that happens. After Kofi Kingston got eliminated, Jeff Hardy uh, had a cool spot where he climbed on top of the pod. Looks like he was about to hit the swanton bomb onto AJ Styles, but instead he hit the whisper into wind onto Sheamus and Drew McIntyre on the outside and then got back into the ring, hit a swanton bomb onto AJ Styles. Looked like AJ was going to be eliminated, but um, this great exchange was interrupted, unfortunately, by Drew McIntyre, who ran in with a Claymore to eliminate Jeff Hardy. And uh, let me just clear that statement up. Not unfortunate that Drew McIntyre interfered. I'm a, I really like Drew McIntyre. Nothing against him. I really thought that uh, Jeff Hardy was going to be able to eliminate somebody there. But instead, Jeff Hardy got eliminated. So then after Jeff Hardy got eliminated, Sheamus and Styles teamed up against Drew McIntyre. That was kind of stereotypical. The heels going after the babyface. And uh, Sheamus then quickly turned on AJ Styles. But uh, Sheamus turned and... Uh, beat up Styles, then he beat on Drew, but then Styles hit the phenomenal forearm to eliminate Sheamus, leaving us with Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles. So then after Drew reversed a phenomenal forearm, he hit the Claymore to retain his championship. Kind of obvious how this one was going to f- uh, finish, at least for this portion. Um, I thought Drew McIntyre was going to win this match, but then everything flipped on its head because here comes Bobby Lashley, surprisingly. It was a very, very good surprise. Bobby Lashley came out there and just destroyed Drew McIntyre. Like, these two dudes, they're like 400 pounds, maybe even 500 pounds combined, standing next to each other. And Bobby Lashley just destroyed Drew McIntyre. And after Lashley rolled out of the ring, here comes Mr. Money in the Bank. The Miz with his Money in the Bank to cash in his contract. Oh, man. This was so I can't even explain my emotions. Maybe I'll start recording myself reacting to shows. Never mind. Nobody wants to see that. But um, Mr. Money in the Bank, he cashed in his briefcase and got the match. He's been holding on to that for about two years now. Uh, that is exaggeration. But yes, he's been holding on to that for quite some time. I was shocked. I was freaking out. No way. Uh, my friend Sonny and uh, Josh, they were texting me like, are you watching this? My brother Brandon was texting me like, what is going on? It was a very good surprise. Miz hit the DDT, the skull-crushing finale, and captured his second-ever WWE Championship. That was a very great ending to the show. Um, Shocking. You know, you didn't think Drew McIntyre was going to lose the belt in the Elimination Chamber. And then here comes Bobby Lashley for no apparent reason. And then here comes the Miz, cashing in his briefcase, and wins the WWE Championship. I was shocked. You know, um... Props to Miz for always staying with the company. I think he's been in the company for 14 years or something like that. 16 years, a very long time, and he's never gotten hurt. So good for him winning his second belt. But now, let's check out the fallout, all right? Because, Miz, I got some bad news for you, brother. So, like I said, the name of our episode is Fallout. We are on the road to WrestleMania, and the final stop is the pay-per-view Fastlane at the end of March. So Fastlane is kind of infamous for being known as the pointless pay-per-view because nothing really happens at Fastlane. You've got five matches, and it doesn't really build the storylines very much, in my opinion. You know, the belt's not going to change hands at Fastlane, but this year is different. And I really mean that. This year is going to be different. This is the first pay-per-view that's going to be on NBC's Peacock streaming service. So I feel like something big has to happen, whether it be a return, a debut, or a title change. So let's look at the champions. Roman Reigns has already spoken for. 
Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I said he'll be facing Edge at WrestleMania. That was very obvious, and um, that is what Roman Reigns will be doing. As for The Miz, uh, we already saw on Raw this week that Bobby Lashley is going to challenge him on Monday. If, for some reason, The Miz is able to defend successfully against Lashley on Monday, he retains the championship. He's going to lose the belt at Fastlane. You can uh, mark down my words on that. I do not see The Miz holding the belt into WrestleMania. Not one bit. Sorry, Miz. You know, I had said I love John Morrison, and John Morrison and The uh, the Miz are tag team partners right now. They're best buds. I really want to see John Morrison turn on The Miz, or The Miz turn on John Morrison, and they have the finish to their storyline back in, I don't even know, 2009, maybe 2011. Uh, It would be nice to see John Morrison versus The Miz for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, but it's not going to happen. The Miz will probably face Bad Bunny. And uh, Damian Priest in a tag match. Bobby Lashley, I feel, will win the belt. He's going to take it on to WrestleMania. And he's either going to face Brock Lesnar or he's going to face Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are in a good spot right now to have a decent rivalry. And they might be able to carry that into WrestleMania. But uh, Bobby Lashley, if he's not facing Drew McIntyre, he will face Brock Lesnar. I'm pretty sure. Um, Fastlane, like I said, needs to have a big debut return title change or something. And I think Brock Lesnar is going to be the one to return and maybe interfere in the Miz Bobby Lashley match. Maybe Bobby Lashley will beat the Miz at Fastlane and Brock Lesnar shows up setting up the match for WrestleMania. It's got to happen. That's going to be a dream match. Just seeing these two in the ring would be cool because they're both big behemoths and this match has never happened before. Looking at the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka. Well, we'll probably face Charlotte, you know, um, that rematch again. I don't really care. I hope she faces somebody else. Asuka has been very dominant as her champion, but uh, Charlotte will probably get in the mix there since Lacey is pregnant. The SmackDown Women's Championship is pretty obvious, like uh, Roman Reigns versus Edge. This is going to be Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship heading into the WrestleMania. As for the United States Champion... Riddle, you know, he just won the belt. This is interesting. Uh, there's a lot of options for him. He could face Mustafa Ali. He could face Ricochet. He could face Elias. If Keith Lee is storyline hurt, then he'll be back soon. Then we'll have Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle for the United States Championship. Great match. I hope to see it. Keith Lee has kind of struggled to find his momentum on the main roster, and Riddle versus Keith Lee will be a great match. I think I actually saw this match on the Indies before. They're both very talented individuals, and like I said, it's got to be quality content there. Lastly, the Intercontinental Champion, Big E. I see two options for him. Number one, he's got a really good rivalry going with Apollo Crews right now. The story's building quite nicely there. So Apollo Crews versus Big E could be at WrestleMania. Or the second option I see could be Cesaro, you know? Cesaro's been getting this push. And he was in the Elimination Chamber match. So I could see him being like, hey, I almost won the Universal Championship. Why don't you let me uh, face you, Biggie? So yes, Biggie could either face Cesaro or Apollo Crews. Um, this tag team matches, I don't know what's, I don't really know what's going to go on there for both tag teams, Raw and SmackDown. And the uh, women's tag team match, I think the NXT Dusty Rhodes tag champs are going to face them. But yes, that is our show for today. Thank you so much, everybody who's been listening consistently, who's been giving me feedback and just talking to me about the show. Thank you so much for sharing it and allowing me 
to take up uh, 20 to 30 minutes of your Saturday. As always, my name is Bradley and I, I am the host of the Pro Wrestling Planet podcast. And next week, I will give my predictions for AEW Revolution. That's going to be a good card. So long, everybody.